This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Well, welcome to the Malaria Ward. <clears throat> it's the Church Boys. We're here. We're ill, but we're not giving in. Uh, you may have uh, noticed. <clears throat> excuse me. You may have noticed a little bit of a lack of uh, this week. <laughs> lack of effort on the social. What is Billy's? <laughs> Billy's sorry, cracking up over here. To cough. <laughs> Billy's muting his mic, thankfully, to cough. But you may have noticed um, over the last week or so that the the uh, social pages of the Church Boys have been fairly Dead. lax. We've done some tweeting and that kind of thing. But um, <clears throat> Billy and I, we we live. How far apart do we live? Twenty five hundred miles. Uh, probably like maybe that. more. Maybe more. Okay, so we're we're quite Not a ways. We're quite a ways. <laughs> Somehow he's still able to, we're still able to bother each other. But um, the way that we both sound today as we record this on late Friday night, actually, it's nine o'clock my time. It's man. actually, it's actually it's 12 o'clock your time. World, three minutes from Saturday. Yeah, you're, you're, you're three minutes from Saturday. And I'm, I'm, it's almost nine o'clock here on the West Coast. But uh, <clears throat> if you listen to two of us this show, you're going to, you're going to go, have you guys been making out? Because you apparently have the same disease. Awkward. So, uh, no, uh, only one of us was in, only one of us was gallivanting around in Miami this week, and it wasn't me. Um, but, uh, no, this, 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 uh, this week's been kind of crazy with it. Let it, you know, start out with Easter. It was a great Easter. I don't know about you, Billy, but I had a great Easter. We went down to Boise and saw family and got to hang out with them. And, um, I don't live in Boise. So if you stalkers are trying to look for me, that's not where I am. Um, that's for you, Tim Ingram. Stay away from me. Uh, but, uh, we went down to Boise and got to have, uh, go to Easter service down there with some old friends, some old college friends and in-laws and, uh, doing that sort of thing. But it was fantastic. But while I'm down there, I get this cold that's going around, which leads to a bronchial infection, which I'm really thrilled about and really excited about, but I'm on the You're meds. You're on like 15 different medicines. Oh, you have no, I, my medicine cabinet, my wife laughs at me. She's like, you're an old man. You look, you're like an old man. You look <laughs> at your counter, you think you're 60. So... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I, I my lap is even 60. got it's like oh, deficient awful. from whatever I have going so on. So I got I'm sinus get, infection. Oh yeah, I'm trying to get over this thing, and you've got some sort of you got the hiv or something, don't you? It's it's really bad. I've got you I've look got awful. Like a cough awful. You look terrible. I have I, my well, my hair is a little crazy. Nobody could nobody could see it as usual. Well, let's my, work out. Let's but work no, out. I I feel I don't really feel that sick. I just I've been coughing. I was in Miami. And the minute I got back to New York, it all came back. I was starting to feel better in Miami. Got back to New York, and it's raining. I hate the spring. Things are blooming. I hate flowers and all that. I, don't, I, I just It bothers my allergies. So <laughs> I hate happiness is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I hate your happiness. Oh, why is, uh, that's not working. It's good to be back, though. I feel like we haven't. I mean, we've been back. We've been we've been on, right? The church was have been on, but yeah, we oh, have, yeah, we've yeah. had a wider space between our taping, right? And well, it's, and it's been nice to you know for you to get away. I would like for you to tell the people about your little trip that you had. So but, basically, my wife and I, we my wife's you know expecting our second child in in August, and so 
we basically looked at a map and we were like, where is the least family friendly place in America to go for vacation? <laughs> and then we chose South Beach in Miami. No, we we loved Miami. A couple of years ago, we went on a cruise. And so we went down there to just get on the cruise ship. And it was like a pass through city. And we were like, this is the nicest beach we've ever been to. We And so in South, we decided South we beach? would take our two and a half year old. You're talking about South Beach? This is one of the nicest. South Beach. The water in South Beach is the clearest water. No, the best place to go, bar none, if you're if what you're wanting is warm weather and clear water, is you go down to Destin, Florida. That's where my that's my wife's favorite place. We used to go there every single year. We haven't been there the last few years, but that is the best. And it is beautiful. You get in the water, it's like getting you're in the bathtub. I mean, it is it is a beautiful place. But 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 you have to go. Like the best time to go is the last half of August, just getting into September, especially getting into September, like the last week of August up to Labor Day, because nobody's there. Because all the schools start school earlier down there in the South. They're all gone. So because if you go there in like July, you looked out, you look out your condo window right there on the beach, these big, beautiful white sand beaches covered with chairs and umbrellas that are all set up, set up in rows with these big, huge umbrellas. You'll see three, four rows deep of these things. When we go, if we, when we go like that week, Last week, August, just before September, it's beautiful beaches and maybe one row of chairs, not even a full row of chairs. It is fantastic. There's nobody there. You can actually get around. There's great food. Do you ever think there's a connection between nobody being there and you being there? Like an intentionality I there? I hadn't considered that, but you could. I, I think it's correlation, not Listen, causation. I love, but, you know. I love Florida, and I love Miami. I mean, we love Miami. We love Miami Beach. So we took our two-and-a-half-year-old there, and we stayed a block well, away sounds from Sounds like the a wise choice to it. me. <laughs> Boy, I, you know, you, here's the here's the funny thing. Billy and I were talking today because he's coming back from Miami. And I said, "Are you back yet? Are you back back? Are you flying back?" Yeah, he says, "Yeah, but I got some sort of disease." Anyway, so I, and then he told me like he heard him. He had hurt himself down there. I said, "You have no idea how happy this makes me." Now it makes for an awkward broadcast when you're muting and coughing and all that kind of stuff. But the smile on my face when you are in misery is just. I'm going to cough for everybody. Hold on. <coughs> that feels better. I'll give you a good one, too. <laughs> my gosh, you really are an old man. That, oh. is, that is emphysema stage 14. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to, the, you're talking to probably the, the only guy in this entire United States who has never drank and never had tobacco. Well, I have drank. I'm not going to lie, but well, I've you're never an old had any soft. tobacco. I've never smoked that. a thing in my life. Right, true, yeah. I haven't, yeah. but I, I like wine. We know this. You love wine. In fact, that's what you're drinking now to deal with your cough. <laughs> Just sight, watch you take a swig of it. Billy drinks his wine out of a tumbler, by the way. <laughs> I like spritzers. It's, it's got a little sprite, little You wine. just put a box up there on the shelf and just open it up. and <laughs> Like a cartoon character. <laughs> I, I even eat the carton. So so you have to tell people about the um, uh, the lunar activity. In Miami. Okay. Okay. You have to tell. This was fantastic. You even put something on Twitter about it. I think you got to. And by the way, find us. It. Find us. Find us on Twitter at Twitter slash the Church Boys, and Facebook slash the Church Boys. All that crap. We got to put that out there. You know, whatever. But anyway, tell people about your your um, what was it? lunar activity? I was going. So I'm on. enjoying the beach. I'm like sitting out under an umbrella with my wife and our and our kid, and I look out, and I'm literally staring at a full moon. <laughs> I'm supposed to be looking at the water. And there's like, and I'm not joking, probably 75 year old man and his oh. wife and his wife is in like an old lady bikini oh, and he's in gross. nothing just, because he's taking his shorts off. But here's, here's, these are people who need to have their attention got. 
They have no self-awareness. Absolutely none. These people who go, I'm this, how old do you think they were? 75, 80 years old? Probably. Always in a Speedo? <coughs> no, these horrible white, you know, see-through. They were like see-through, practically see-through shorts. Course. And she's wearing an old lady bikini, I suppose, probably. Right, right. It's so, a bikini. It's not, she doesn't have the, 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 she doesn't have the self-awareness put on a one piece. She puts no. on a bikini. Yeah, it but, was very weird. And she's like reading a book. She's not even phased I by I bet this. she, she can't even read. He takes, oh, wow, you're really going there. Oh, these people Well, he losers. takes his pants off. He takes his oh, shorts off, right? Right. How close was and, he to your child? Like, close enough where it was like, creepy. So, like, damage could have been done. Yes. And like, put an she, eye out kind of situation. Like, pouring sand into a bucket, thankfully. Like, like, put a, it was a, it was like, put an eye out kind of situation? Was he that close? No, no, but, like, maybe, like, two or three people ahead of us, right? Oh. So, he's standing up, though, standing up with his bare butt, out in front of everybody, and then he walks to the he walks to the water, dips his trunk in to wash it. Apparently, his shorts. He and, takes his shorts off and then puts them in the water to wash them, rather than yes. walking into the water wearing them. Right. Okay. And then that makes sense. That's total sense. That's what I would do. But like, it became like a train wreck. We couldn't stop watching, and of course, we're like, I'm tweeting about it. And we're talking about it, and then the next then thing you, you know, Eva, you look, Eva, Eva, <laughs> get away from him. Get away. No, avert your eyes. <laughs> Well, we did. He we did, did like it's, block her from it. Have you seen? Have you, and, have you? Have you? Have you ever listened to Ray Stevens' "The Streak"? Oh, they call no. him "The Streak." It's an old song about the streak. <coughs> <laughs> Edith, Edith, avert your eyes, Edith. But it's too late. She done been mooned. <laughs> oh wait, you're you're muted. See, you're technologically illiterate. I, honestly, this mute button does not listen huh, to me. Whatever. <laughs> I wish just, it would go just off. Like your wife. I coughed. So anyway, all right. So anyway, the next thing we we look. And now he's in like dress pants, a dress shirt. Well, how did She's he do out this? of her bikini. She's in a dress outfit, and like, the two of them, like they're going out on the town, shoes on. like they're going like out they're going on the out town. To dinner. And they got dress shoes, like hard shoes. Yes, That's black so weird. dress shoes. That's so and they weird. like walked off the beach, like like nothing happened. Can you like imagine the rest how of un- our lives weren't destroyed? Can you, by what it, can you imagine how uncomfortable you would be for the rest of the day? That's what I. That's what bothered me. Less than what bothered me more than the the guy mooning me is how can he stand to have gotten in clothes on the beach and then walk like the around sand in the, rest, the dress shoes, the sand, the sand. dress shoes, or sand the the, the just the the ocean nest that you have on yourself underneath all of your clothes. Oh, <coughs> and then they left, and my wife is like, "Could they be homeless?" I'm like, "No way." Uh, they weren't homeless. Uh, just they're. Again, there's just a whole ton of people out there who need to have their attention got because they're just they're clueless. They don't they don't think about what they're going to do. All they care Stop about talking badly about the church boys. <laughs> there's, well, there's that, but they don't care. Uh, uh, they don't give a wit, not a wit about any of the people around them. They don't care. They they care about their own feelings, and they're happy to just say horrible things or do horrible things to or in front of people. And it, it is was just bizarre. It was just, weird. Yeah. It's not a nude beach. Like, I get it. It's South Beach. A lot of weird things happen there. Our cab driver said, if you come here on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you're going to see people with three eyes. I get it. There's some (laughs) weird people at South Beach. But this was just extra weird. We didn't see any other naked people. It was on a nude beach. And there were other kids around and stuff. You know, and and so, and and thankfully, we didn't see the front. But we saw the back, which means other people saw the front who were in front of it. And it's so disturbing. And, of course, you're probably used to it because we do this show uh, in the nude. But oh god, oh god, help us! But it well, it makes for makes for better makes for better radio. So, 
or, or something. Anyway, uh, so something. so this is we'll call this we'll call this show when I when I post it uh, to SoundCloud and iTunes. We'll call this the All Nude Show. Is that all right? How about you? the Full Moon? Do Full Moon. <laughs> it's all nude, and we'll put it in bright, flashing lights. You know, neon. It'll be perfect. You're out of control. All today. right. So, Billy, uh, speaking of out of control and people who are just douchebags to other people and have no, you know, sense at all of propriety or anything like that, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But let's take a quick break. That'll give us a, a little space on the other side to talk about this and another couple other things. Is that all right with you? That's all right with me. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's all right <laughs> with you. Okay, we'll, we'll be right back. Back to the church boys. So Billy and I were just talking off the air about um about his little South Beach fiasco about the mooning and the uh, getting his eye poked out by the old man changing his clothes on the uh, changing his clothes on the beach and I got to thinking you know I think there's a certain um, federal executive who would if you know if he could get away with it. He would love to strip down in front of women and children and change right there on the beach, just as a kind of an fu to the crowd and to the world. Because he would listen. Joe Biden out of this. It's not Joe Biden. It'd be Joe Biden's boss. And uh, so, Billy, there's a story that Fred did this week. You want to set people up on this, and I'll get the audio ready on it. Yeah, you know, this is okay. So basically, President Obama, he's at the White House Easter prayer breakfast, and he makes this comment (laughs) and basically says. He's concerned by less than loving, and those are the exact words he used, less than loving comments from his fellow Christians. And so he makes this comment and and people are laughing about it. And, you know, it's a very loaded comment, though, considering all of the conversation we've had going on about about, you know, the gay marriage versus religious freedom debate. And so before we dive too deeply, let's just play the audio. Let people hear exactly what he said. It's like a friggin night at the Apollo. It's it's just so unbelievably annoying the entire thing is annoying so here you go on easter i do reflect on the fact that as a christian i am supposed to love and i have to say that sometimes when i listen to uh, less than loving expressions by christians i get concerned but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Where there is injustice, <laughs> I was about to veer off. I'm pulling it back. Where there is injustice, we defend the oppressed. Where there is disagreement, <laughs> disagreement, we treat each other with compassion and respect. Where there are differences, we find strength in our common humanity, knowing that we are all children of God. Yay! Yay! Can I wait oh, a minute? It's playing Let me again. ask a question. Let me ask a question. Yay! 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 I love him. Yay! Sorry, that was not You're nice. Really, that was not I nice. Think when you tape, when you tape that was this not late nice. at night, you lose your filter. I these people. Is it compassionate? What do you mean, mean these people? What do you mean these people? Sorry. (laughs) Is it compassionate and is it loving to clump every to clump these unloving Christians into one category? I mean, the assumption here is that President Obama, and we don't know exactly because he doesn't say it, is talking about those who oppose gay marriage, those who have come out and said, you know, they don't want to provide service maybe for a gay wedding. 
you know, if they're a business owner, is it compassionate to clump those people together and to assume that they're not showing love? Is that a compassionate thing to do? No. I mean, and he knows it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. But what does he care? He doesn't care. But why is Easter, why is this message being delivered at an Easter prayer breakfast when the focus of an Easter prayer breakfast should be the very Savior at the center of the faith that he's representing? Because here? he doesn't care about the Savior at the center of the faith. He cares about, this is the chance for me to lecture those no-good conservative evangelicals and maybe Catholics who are standing but, up against gay marriage. And listen, one other thing about this, when we talk about injustice in the oppressed, there is no other group in America that does more for the oppressed than Christians, and in particular, because most Christians do tend to be conservative, and I know there are a lot of progressive Christians that do good for people too, but conservative Christians, many of whom that these comments are allegedly or purportedly maligning, do good work for others and do offend, I'm sorry, defend, not offend, the oppressed. So it's just, it's interesting, the choice of words here. Um, and I, and it's know, fascinating to me that this lecture is coming and aimed at the very people who do a lot of those things, no? And, and yeah, I think, but the, that's the reason that he, it was aimed at those people because that's who he is. That's what he does. And this was the perfect time to lecture those people in front of them, right? He had all those people there, including watching. And this is a thing that all the pastors, my pastor was not happy at all about this. I mean, he was at a level of frustration about this that I had not seen before. And I don't think I'm betraying his trust on this. I'm not going to get into specifics, but he wasn't happy. I know a lot of, I know a lot of pastors who weren't happy about it. And he, and a lot of times he wouldn't have paid attention to it, but it happened to be the Easter breakfast address thing. And he, he saw it. And uh, I know a lot of other pastors, but it's, it was, it was an opportunistic thing for him to put a, a thumb in the eye of people. Now, let me say, that his first line I agreed with, you know, as a Christian, I don't know if he's a Christian or not. He says he is. We can't judge a person's heart, but we can judge their fruit. Okay. But he says he's a Christian. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll take your word at that on that. Uh, I agreed with it. It kind of is frustrating when people are out there being not so loving. I get that. I can, I can agree with that, but then and he, we should all condemn that when right, it happens. Right. Absolutely. But he took that, but he took that further and he did it with an ill intent. And that's something we can judge. We can judge the fruits of those kinds of things. We can judge fruits and that's not good what he did. And you know, exactly. Everybody knows everybody who was there listening knows everybody who wrote about it on the right and the left knew exactly what he was talking about and what he was doing. And when we talk about, he goes on, which it wasn't played in, in the clip we played, to talk about how Jesus lived and how he loved and he embraced others who were different. Christians should absolutely do that. They should live, they should love, they should embrace others who are different. But that doesn't mean they sacrifice the standards that they believe deeply right. in right. Um, and, and that they bend in a way that crosses a certain line for them. And I think that that's what's missing here. And I listen, if that if he's talking generally about Christians who mistreat people, absolutely, absolutely. you're right. right. But if he's talking specifically about this situation, and this comes just before he talks about banning conversion therapy, and we don't need to go into a whole debate on conversion therapy on, on the show today, but but it seemed very specifically tailored to what has been going on. Absolutely. And if that's the case, it's disingenuous. Also, he's a politician who has not shown love to many people yeah. all the time, right. and so it's hypocritical. I'm sorry. Well, and it's and he's and, and you're right. And I would agree with it. I agree with that sentiment. I would agree with him in in his purpose. If his purpose had been to actually condemn people who are saying nasty things about 
people we disagree with, right? If if you were out there condemning the Westboro Baptist people for what they're saying or, or things like that and saying, you can't call yourself Christian and then talk like that, okay, that's one thing about people being not so loving. But when his point is to go after people like, and there's, and I want you to bring this, I want you to give people the details on this after I mention it, but the, the Colorado you know, situation the, with the baking of the Bible cakes and these, and the, and the florist here, it's actually in Tri-Cities, just a, you know, a couple hours from where I live, this florist in, in, you know, in the Tri-Cities, uh, in Washington state, uh, and, and, uh, and other places, the, the, the chapel in, in Coeur d'Alene and, and the chapel in, uh, in, in Iowa and all these other places, his, his intent is that, that those are the people being not so loving. Um, you want to talk about not loving, look at the responses that have been, lo- that have been launched at those people. You want to talk about not loving. It's not the person who's standing up for their faith and saying, I'm sorry, I love you, but I can't be a part of your, of your wedding because I don't think that that's right. That's not unloving. That's standing up for the things that you know are true. The unloving comes in the fact that these people are then drugged through the mud and sworn at and threatened, their lives threatened, their livelihood threatened, and it has he he doesn't direct it at any sort of, I, I hate the term hate speech, but I don't know what other term to use, but he's not going after the hate speech. He's going after the people who are lovingly standing up for the things that they believe in. And listen, there's people on both sides. Absolutely. I mean, why there there are there are people who call themselves Christians and who may even be Christians who say and do horrific things when it comes to gays and lesbians. And then there are also the attacks you just mentioned back on these business owners. And I've detailed these. I mean, we've covered so many of these stories. If you're going to come out and lecture people on Easter, lecture everyone then. Why why, you know, when you're when you're threatening someone's life, when you're going after their livelihood, when you're breaking into their personal property because you disagree with their refusal to serve a gay wedding, well then you also deserve a lecture from the commander in chief, do you and, not? And from and law I, enforcement. Right, it just, you know, the, this whole thing has gotten so out of control. This entire debate, this entire discussion, um and and the reaction that people have to it, it's it's completely disturbing that this is the point that people are at in 2015 that they can't actually have a discussion or that they have to offer up a lecture without being fair to both sides. I just I'm I'm so tired of the whole thing. And then you mentioned this Colorado case, which I think is well, tell, interesting. Tell people I know I know Glenn talked about it on his show this week and other places have talked about it, but I want I want you to talk about it a little bit, explain to people really because we we actually hit on this before anybody else did, right? It wasn't a court case. The court case just came out. Um, was just yeah, came out this yeah, week, but it, you and I talked about this, you know, weeks ago, months ago, about the about this bakery in Colorado. Yeah, and and the bakery in question, it's it's in Denver. It's called Azucar Bakery, and um and basically what happened was this guy Bill Jack, he's a Christian leader. I guess he has a he has a Christian nonprofit, I believe. Went into the bakery. He asked for two Bible shaped cakes that had very specific messages on them. Um, one was. Uh, God hates sin, and it was from Psalm forty-five seven. The other was a message that said, "Homosexuality is a detestable sin." Leviticus eighteen twenty-two was the reference he wanted on that cake. So these two Bible-shaped cakes. He went in. He asked the baker to make them. She said, "No, we won't make them. They're you know discriminatory. We we don't want to do that." Now, after she rejected those cakes, he had strategically gone in and asked and for this to see what would happen if if he was rejected. He could then formulate a complaint and say, just like people on the other end who are who are right. gay and are rejected, they go to the state, they complain to the Civil Rights Commission. In this case, he filed a complaint, and the state interestingly came back and said they do not believe that this was a case of discrimination, um, which which obviously has upset um, a lot of people. 
but basically but wasn't that his this, point i mean like he was he supported her didn't he didn't he go in to make this point wasn't that what we found yes when you're telling the story he, the first time Yes, he said, you know, listen, he supported her right to reject, but he wanted to make a point that Christian bakers, you know, Christian wedding providers aren't afforded that same right. So right. if she were to reject him, which she did, and he filed a complaint, his point was, listen, I don't want to go after her, but I need to make a point here about how unequal the law is on this particular issue. And right. so in the end, this same agency would have found, I would imagine, any gay and lesbian couple had been discriminated against. He, This was not the same case, though, for him. They basically found that she had every right. She wouldn't accept an order from a group that was saying anything nasty about Christians or any other group. So therefore, it was not discrimination against his worldview with the refusal to make the cake. And he never, and from my understanding, is like the second cake was all about forgiveness, right? The first cake was about God hates sin, not sinners. Westboro, pay attention. God hates sin, and homosexuality is a sin, right? Don't be in sin. And that's true. I mean, that's what the Bible says. God hates sin. And then he happened to pick one of several sins that are in the, that are, we are told about in the Bible. And he picked them, but to make a point. But the fact is, God hates sin, not sinners, sin. And so that's what he gets into. And then his second cake, I think, was about forgiveness. The scriptures that were on there, I don't remember. Maybe you have the scriptures at hand. Yeah, well, one of them was homosexuality is a detestable sin. Right, and that, I was think, a, that was the second page of the first cake, the second right. side it, of the first but, cake. But the the thing that you know is interesting about that, and I just wanted to raise, is that when the baker, and I don't think the baker did this on purpose, I think she was just standing by what she believed, and, right. and I'm not out to go after her for That's doing fine. that. That's fine. That's her right. She she told reporters the cake said God hates gays. So that was the initial story that we had done on this too because that's what was out there. So I think that Bible verse got sort of converted into the uh, sort of a Westboro mentality of – and she couldn't remember. The order wasn't – she says wasn't written down at the time and right. she didn't have a copy of it I guess. That right. was the issue. But it, but it really was citing Leviticus 18.22, you know, which, you know, addresses was, this issue. But that was the second – like they were facing – my understanding was from the telling of the story I heard this week – was that the first kick was facing pages from Psalms or whatever it was, God hates sin. And then on the facing side of that cake, same cake, it said homosexuality uh, is a detestable sin. But then the second cake was about redemption, I believe. Like the second cake had scriptures about, you know, you don't have to be this way. So it was, it was never about God hating homosexuals or as the Westboro people would say, God hates fags. We don't, that's not how Christians actually talk. Yes. And in fact, you're right. The, the, um, it was God. God loves sinners, and Christ. We while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Romans five eight sure. um, was was the other reference. So yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, listen. This is this entire debate, and I think this particular incident shows that there is a double standard under these laws. And you get into the whole religious freedom law debate, and and the state laws that are out there, and the battle over Indiana, and all of that. You start to look at that, and you do start to see. Maybe, listen, you don't have to agree that these, that these bakers have the right to reject, but you do, I think we do have to allow people to have a day in court. And a lot of, a lot of what these state laws do is give people their day in court. And guess yep. what? Most of these Christian business owners have lost in court. Yep. Therefore, why not give them their day in court and at yep. least let them have a chance to defend themselves? Because, well, because the left finds their point of view intolerable. They don't think it's, a, it's that it's an actual legitimate point of view. They don't like it. They don't think that it should be allowed. So that's that's why they don't want to have them the day in court. And this they, is why I wrote an open letter, Chris. Oh yeah, I saw, I yeah, I saw letter. that nonsense you put out there. <laughs> so did so did tens of other people. <laughs> yeah, that that letter actually went. got a lot of traffic. I mean, that letter went. Yeah, 
No, it was actually it was very actually very good. Wow, I don't I don't want to give listen. That's, see, that's that's why I wasn't going to say anything because you just blow it completely out of proportion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess you're evil. I gotta you're take. Evil. I gotta go get something to drink. So that's probably a good time to take a break. We'll come right back, and I want you to uh, get us into this interview that we're going to run about. Um, well, you tell them quickly. Right People, now, just quickly. I mean, like in Hi. ten seconds, we're gonna have, we have an interview about, blah, 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 and then we're gonna go to break because I gotta go get something to drink. I'm about to die. All right, we actually have an interview, and, and it's very much on the same on the same subject with Betty and Dick Odegaard. They own a wedding chapel um, out in Iowa, and they've had to stop performing weddings entirely as a result of a rejection that uh, a rejection of a gay couple hosting their wedding on site that really has blown up in their faces. So we talk with them, we learn quite a bit about their case, and uh, we will have that for you. Okay, on the other side of this break, we will come right back. Excuse me. My, uh, it's you need that water. You need I'm a tablet. Clipped. It's up a clip. All right, we'll be right back in just a minute. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. And we hate you too, so. <laughs> welcome back to the, welcome back to the. Oh yeah, she's actually chugging water. Uh, welcome back to camp. welcome back to the disease riddled church boys. It is a it's a late night version of the church boys. We don't usually record this late on a Friday. Typhoid boys. So I'm sitting here. I told you I had to go get a drink, and so I'm, I'm walking out of my office, and my wife is in the family room, which is actually connected to my office. You can see it through the double doors. I got double glass doors out here, and she's sitting there laying, laying there watching a movie on the couch or something, and. Uh, and she says, I walk out there to get a drink. And she goes, you guys are so weird. It's like like you would know. You don't ever listen. My wife doesn't listen. Like, she knows whether or not I'm weird. My I wife mean, like, we're weird. She knows I'm weird. She doesn't know we're weird. What's that? My wife has never listened no, to the church. mine either. Not a chance. It'll if you never, asked never her who happen. hosts the church boys, she would. if it was like the Daily Double, I'm like, <laughs> is that Jeopardy that does the Daily Double? Yeah, she would she'd lose. lose. <laughs> oh... My wife would at least know because she spends her time criticizing me. Not criticizing, but <laughs> making fun of me for doing this silly little podcast that we do. Because she sees me she sees me waving my arms around and talking and, and pointing. like yelling click. about Obama. Well, and if people could watch this, because Billy's, Billy's at his mic at his place. We're on Skype. But I've got the board here, and I've got the sound effects board, which is on my iPad. And I've got one computer running the, the audio equipment. And, and then another computer where I'm reading stuff. And so I'm moving all around and, and it's just a show. It's just horrible. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so she'll see me doing that. And she sees me, with, she, oh, you guys are just so weird. And she knows that, you know, she knows Billy, Billy knows my wife and Billy, Billy likes my wife. My wife likes, Billy. Frank, awesome. frankly, my wife likes Billy more than she likes me, which is actually true. <laughs> uh, in most cases, most people like <clears throat> Billy. I can't figure out why people like Billy more than me, but Apparently you they could do. Have stopped, so. You could have stopped that. I can't figure out why people like Billy. <laughs> everybody knows. Everybody knows. So before we uh, get into this interview, I wanted to, we were talking about that, that Colorado case where the city found for the baker and something that Stu pointed out this week on Glenn's show. And that was, isn't it interesting that the government keeps coming down on the side, no matter what side it is, they're coming down on the pro gay marriage side and never on the side of the first amendment. Right, because the First Amendment is what it's at stake—the freedom of religion, the freedom of association, the freedom of speech—is protected by the First Amendment. And so, the businesses that don't want to serve gay weddings are being discriminated against, and their First Amendment First Amendment rights being violated in order to 
promote the gay marriage agenda. And then you have the opposite thing happen. And someone who doesn't want to serve someone who believes that homosexuality isn't okay, they're the ones who are protected, even though it's my well, alleged right to have the cake baked. Never, never are they, never is the government falling on the side of the people whose first amendments are being violated. It's only on the falling on the side of the people whose feelings are being hurt. And the yeah, fa- and, and, listen, and we've got a government, you know, be- we've got a government, including courts that are coming down to feelings and not law. And that's a problem. Well, because what, what you have happening is, is people are saying, okay, well, you know what? This is just like any other issue. We have to protect people. We, you know, if it were an interracial wedding that people were rejecting, you know, that would not be allowed. So we can't allow this. But, but really, th- this is a really complicated issue, which I, I detailed in that open letter, and we'll, we'll link out to the letter. Just looking at Christian at the Bible, looking at Christian theology, and I know I took a lot of heat for saying this, but I think anybody who knows anything about about the Christian faith knows this: that marriage is a very important. Um, sentiment, it's a very important structure, a man, a woman coming together, um, becoming one, all of that is very rooted in the Christian faith. So for the government to come in and change the definition of marriage and then immediately demand that business owners who serve weddings, we're not talking about diner owners turning a gay couple away. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about weddings and businesses that serve weddings being forced to provide services for those weddings when the definition of a wedding has changed in the midst of, I mean, you already operate your business, right? And you've always only served the traditional definition of marriage, you're now being forced to do things you you don't agree with that you actually believe violate the traditional sentiment behind your faith, which goes centuries and centuries and centuries back in time. It's a big, that's a big thing, regardless of where you stand to demand of people. Um, And I think we, we're not considering that. I know, I know we are, but I, I don't think the broader society is, is thinking that through. And so, yeah, I'm rambling here, but I think we get it. I, you know, this is this is a bigger issue than just saying, oh, it's discrimination. No, this is something that's really rooted deep in in faith. Yeah. All right. So you want to get us into this interview? You're like, you're like enough. Please it's, I just, I've, I've, well, my eyes are rolling back. He's <laughs> looking at the screen going, his <laughs> eyes are rolling in the back. Is he passing out? You're horrible. You are absolutely. And I'm thinking, I hope. I hope he is. Of course you are, because you're a horrible, hateful person. I am. Did you get my, my love note on Twitter this week? Did you see that? I did. I retweeted it. I oh, loved that's, it. Okay. Good. Such a weirdo. Well, it was Your a, wife's it was, right. Oh, shut up. I hate you. <laughs> but just get us into this interview so we can just so I can be done with you. All right, so yeah, I, I teased it before, but this is Betty and Dick Odegaard. They own this business. It's it's an old church that they converted, and this is out in Grimes, Iowa. They converted this old church into a business. They serve lunch, they serve you know meals, they sell flowers, and they up until recently they also performed weddings. And um, you know this this is a Christian couple, Mennonites. They very deeply have have held their faith very deeply. Have operated their business based on the sentiments deeply ingrained in their faith when they were forced they had a couple come to them that couple they rejected they didn't want to provide a a gay wedding ceremony on site at their venue for them and that created a big legal conundrum for them they were fined a hullabaloo hullabaloo, as it were yes and uh (laughs) but but they are no longer performing weddings as a result of this and we we you know, we've covered them a few times actually in the past. And so it was good to sort of hear where they are now and, and learn a little bit more about their case. I think before we get into the interview, this is this is different 
from providing flowers or a cake, not to diminish that argument or anybody who holds an opposition to doing that for a gay wedding. But this is the actual housing and hosting of the wedding inside of a venue. And so I think there's another level there of, of intrigue. All right. Well, let's get it started. Here we go. It's Billy Hollowell, and I'm here today with two people who I spoke with about, gosh, almost two years ago, about a year and a half ago, and it's Betty and Dick Odegaard, and they're the owners of Gertz House Gallery out in Iowa. How are you guys doing today? Very good. Thanks for talking to us today, Billy. Well, thanks thanks for coming on. I know, you know we talked in the past, and you guys have been in the middle of really a legal conundrum, a legal battle um, over your business establishment and and over this incident of having a gay couple come in ask to hold their wedding on site correct that's right and then you know when you when you politely declined um citing your faith it erupted into really a a nationwide story can you guys take us a little bit and i know we're going to link out to the old stories we did on on this and make sure people can see them but can you take us through the events and how this um, sort of started and how it erupted? Sure. On August 13, 2000, or August 3, 2013, the two gentlemen came in, and um, luckily I wasn't there because Dick had to take over and tell this couple no, that we d- would not perform or have that wedding in our venue. And immediately it went viral, and uh, I think... This was on a Saturday, and on Monday, it went national. So right away, our Facebook page blew up, and I think that's what you wrote about. It was just so hateful and and so awful, and um, personally, it took me down. I I didn't want to be on this earth anymore. It it destroyed me. Dick is a little stronger. He's a hard-headed Dane, so he he took it back. (laughs) But... um, I was I was ready to quit. I wanted to get out of here. I wanted to move out of the town. I I knew that this um, this gallery that we had built together would never be the same again. Um, was this so, the first time? Can I ask you? Was this the first time that you had had a gay couple come in and, and ask? Had this happened before? Actually, it was the second in two thousand and nine. Right after the law was changed here in Iowa. The day after. The day after, yes. We had a couple come in. We turned them down, and we thought we would be sued at that time because they were quite angry. And uh, we uh, wrote a letter to the attorney general, and he said, indeed, you could be sued. So we knew we didn't have any recourse. So we held our breath for the next uh, few years and had wonderful weddings in there, you know, just kind of... um, Every phone call you had about a wedding, you wondered. Um, but we had a lot of beautiful weddings in there until 2013. We were able to honor all the weddings that we had last year. So um, until the end of uh, 2014, we we continued. But we are now, we now will not hold any more wedding-related events. And that was our decision, Billy. Uh, we just could not continue... Uh, we couldn't, um, like, like they said, every phone call, uh, became, became more intense and, and we had to try to vent the, vent the phone call to make sure that we weren't dealing with a gay couple and, and, um, 
the precedent had been set. Obviously, everybody knew where we stood, so we were we were we would be targets for for um, uh, a sting type of a deal. So we just decided to get clear out of the business, which financially was very hurtful, painful, but uh, it, we just had to do it. So what are you guys doing now at Gert's house? I know you did you did other things outside of weddings. What are some of the services that you guys are are offering now? We still serve lunch every day but Sunday, and then we have a flower shop, a full-service flower shop. Um, we don't, um, of course, do the flowers for weddings. So really, I mean, take take us through a little bit of, because obviously these, these gentlemen came in, they requested the wedding, you said no, um, then they went and complained, right? And, and, and then this sort of blew up. What, what was the legal battle back and forth like? How did that go? Tell us a little bit about the arguments that came from the government side versus, you know, the, the arguments that you guys waged. And then I want to ask you after that, and you may want to get into this in, in describing it, but, but explaining to people why you guys stand where you do on this, because I think that's a really important distinction that really hasn't gotten out there much in media. That was a big question, Billy. That was like a, that was like a fourteen part question. But you know, let, I guess let's start with the, let's start with the legal battle because I I'm okay. curious to know what that was like. Take us through that. Sure. They, the 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 two gentlemen filed a complaint uh, through the Iowa Civil Rights Commission, and um, and that uh, that started the legal ball rolling, so to speak. Uh, the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Uh, came to our rescue to defend us, and then we in turn at the same time filed lawsuit against the state of Iowa in an effort to uh, get our liberties back. Liberties had been taken away from us, so we're trying to get them back, so we had a two-way lawsuit going. Yeah, we weren't we weren't suing them for financial reasons at all. It was all for religious liberties, liberties back. And, it was, and we were suing the state of Iowa, not the gay couple. Right. The gay couple was suing us, and, and we were in turn suing the state of Iowa. The, um, the, our suit against the state of Iowa was dismissed because they wanted the administrative process to go forward to the, through the Iowa Civil Rights Commission because this was the first case. And uh, so, so we, had to, we had to stand down and, and let that happen. And uh, eventually we resolved it, came to a conciliatory agreement, and uh, because it was time that we moved on, we could tell that we were not going to get any... any uh, satisfaction going through the legal system as it is today. And uh, so with the advice of our attorneys and, and our fatigue, so to speak, we plus our desire to move on to other to, to other projects that hopefully be more helpful. So we, uh, there wasn't a judgment against, against you guys. You guys, you came to an agreement, the two parties. That's exactly right. There was not, we, we were never, we were, we were accused of discrimination, but that judgment was never laid down. Not by the Iowa, but it was by the ICRC, the Iowa Civil Rights Commission, found us guilty of discrimination. You know, it's it's interesting to me. And we have to find. We did have to pay a fine. It Can was you tell ten thousand dollars, and they negotiated down to five. And, and it really, just a little correction. It really wasn't a fine. It was a it was a conciliatory uh, compensation to the couple. So the couple got five thousand. Did you have to pay their legal fees or anything like that? Were there additional fees outside of this? And and I'm not speaking because I want to ask you how much this has hurt business at some point in this interview. But 
how much in addition to that 5000 did you have to pay as a result of just the legal proceedings? Well, their, their, uh, their legal costs were all covered by the state of Iowa, in other words, our tax dollars. Okay. Our legal fees were covered by the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Okay, great. And I know they do they do these things um, pro bono. So, right. um, so at the end of this, you pay out the five thousand. When did you come to that agreement with them? When was that agreement reached? That was reached uh, late December. So you pay oh. them the five thousand, and then you make this decision, which is a huge decision. I would imagine you may were able to make a good living um, partially. I know you again. You do other things. You serve lunch. You you have a flower shop, but. A good amount of money off of weddings. You stop doing weddings totally. What has yeah. that been like for you, business-wise? Um, what's the impact of not doing weddings? Well, the the weddings was were the larger income stream, of course, and now um, we have to uh, just rely on lunches and flowers. And the lunch business went down by about half when all of this came out. So. Um, that's been suffering quite a bit, too. Uh, there were a lot of boycotts out not to come to our place. And you've got to understand that if a bunch of people are coming out and one person in that group has disagreed with what we've done, the whole group won't come in. Right. And we got a lot of calls in the beginning uh, from our regulars, I'm assuming, because I don't see them anymore, saying, we enjoyed your place. Lovely place, but we will never be back. Why do you think that people, you know, re- reacted that way? I mean, why do you think that so? I mean, not, and I'm not talking about the activists, but the people who who knew you guys who came in. Why? Why not come back over that again? What do you think drove that decision for them? That that we were bigots and haters. They thought they believed the um, the ugly that was said about us. They thought we were not accepting of everybody and that we were discriminating. They really bought into that lie, I think. And I know I threw that major five-part question to you guys before about, you know, and I sort of concluded it with the biggest piece of this, which I think is why you stand where you do on marriage. And and I think it's important to for people to hear that. So can you explain not only where you stand, but also what you told the couple when they came in initially? Well, uh... I was I was raised a Lutheran. Uh, Betty was raised as a daughter of a Mennonite minister, and uh, it was compulsory <laughs> that that we attend Sunday school and church every Sunday. Uh, today, that might be deemed as child abuse in some societies, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's the way it was. And, and by the way, we didn't go casual. We had to wear our Sunday best, and uh, so so you, you developed a, a, a by by experience you develop a profound faith and that really matures as you get older and um and, and you know the, the biblical teachings were are there it's just uh so factual so that, that's that's where the basis are uh, at the at uh, or the basis of our belief the um the as the day that the day that i declined service to these two gentlemen uh, it was a very busy time of day. It was on a Saturday, and that's about the only day I'm at the gallery helping out. And uh, uh, there's a lot of people at the at the cash register and around. And I was trying to, I knew what I was up against. I was just trying to find the right time to to ask the question because they didn't disclose to me that this was going to be a same-sex ceremony. 
and uh, so I, but I had to ask, and I, and uh, so I had to, I found the moment I asked, and I just simply told them that uh, we could not take their, their money, and we could not provide the service, and we, and we uh, don't do anything for free, so now, uh, I would have liked to have been more eloquent, but the, the, the opportunity didn't present itself, and um, the rest is history. When, now, when you guys, well, how did they react? What was the, the reaction to you in person when you said that? Uh, good question. They, they were stunned. They, they, um, they, were, they were surprised, I think, that somebody uh, stood their ground and, and, and expressed their, their uh, unwillingness to, to provide this service for, for, uh, and provide this uh, opportunity for them to celebrate a sacred moment that we consider a sacred moment at least. Well, so they were quite stunned. They asked me to repeat. I repeated, and they left. The next time we heard from them, of course, was through the Iowa Civil Rights. Yeah, and, and Monday morning, you guys obviously heard quite a bit from a, from a lot of people. I know that week was was a chaotic week for you, getting that messages. That was a Saturday. The next Sunday, actually, Billy, the, um, the the Facebook exploded. This was happened on Saturday. The very next day, it exploded. Yeah. Yeah. And now, what? So, when people would hold weddings at your venue, would they bring in their own officiant? How did that work? Did you did you have services like that that you could, you know, offer people? You know, what what did those packages look like for your customers? Yeah, it, um, most often they brought in their own, but um, people who got married there often did not have their own church or their own pastor. So we did have a couple names, uh, people that we would we would recommend. So we had some. Some good. Uh, there were various pastors that, that officiated uh, at the wedding. Also, we had a judge that officiated. Uh, very entertaining fella. <laughs> so, well, I, and I would imagine. I mean, those people obviously. I, I wonder how they reacted to this and how. I guess you know my my overarching question. You had a lot of people hating on you, coming after you. What was what was support like? I mean, did you have a level of support in the community? Oh, the support was. In, um, in fairness, we did, and and it wasn't all bad. We 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 missed a lot of the regular customers and we and the and the hate notes. But Billy, we also met a lot of new people, and uh, they came in specifically to support us. But psychologically, when you get beat up like we did, and like other folks have have gotten beat up in this situation, uh, uh, it, it takes a lot of hugs to say, to, to to neutralize that. So. As much as you appreciate it, you, what you remember at the end of the day is, is all the ugly. Well, and you become, I mean, you become public enemy number one for right, right. standing by your values. And I think you know, that, is, that is why this issue is so complicated to so many people. You know, you're standing by your values, and then you have other people who are saying, no, you need to provide us with this service. You know, and, and now you've, you've had a chance to sort of see the aftermath of your case, and obviously this has become a much bigger issue since, you know, this first happened to you guys in 2013, and even since December when you concluded the case, uh, the last couple of weeks this has been a huge issue. Other, other Christians even scolded us and said, if you would have gone ahead and served them, that would have been a better way to show them Christ's love. And you really did the wrong thing by turning them away, because now they're just going to feel the hate from Christians. And, you know, we, we kind of struggled with that, but um, we, we decided that Jesus would not have gone to the altar with them and married them. 
Yeah, and I think you know, that that is, and I've seen a lot of Christians who have come out and critiqued on this, and I think your case is different, um, you know, and not that not that the people who own bakeries and don't want to make a cake, not that they don't have a right to do that, but it is different. I mean, there's an extra step here in that you are actually hosting the wedding, um, and I think, you know, you could almost argue, and it gets, and at the end of the day, I mean, we can go on and on about this, but a wedding photographer, for instance, that person is 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 you know compelled to be on site during the wedding to capture photographs and be a part of it, um, whereas you know a, a baker may not be necessarily forced to do that. It doesn't change the dynamic, but I think when you're asking somebody to actually host the wedding, that's um, right. And they were going to say the holy vows in our sanctuary. And now this now correct me if I'm wrong. Is the Gertz House a former church as well? Yes, it is a former church building. Used to be the home of the St. Peter Lutheran Church. So that's and now and let me ask you one other element about this because I know a lot of critics have said, "Oh well, you know, the, all these business owners they they they're just Christians, you know, they don't operate their business that way." And all of a sudden they say, "Oh no, we operate our business this way. We we operate as Christians once they find themselves in a tough spot." How have you viewed as a business owner, a person of faith? How have you viewed your the role of your faith in your business? You know, before this happened. Oh, well, it was what we were all about. Uh, of course, you know, every day we we were living our Christian faith. Very much so. In fact, before we got the gallery, it was it was slated for demolition. It had been sold to a gas station. They were going to tear it down and put a gas station there. So we prayed that our backup offer would be accepted. And, you know, it was very God-ordained that we got to be in that building in the first place. No, we can't understand why, Billy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've had you've had quite a roller coaster couple of years now. How long have you been in business there? Thirteen years. Thirteen. Years. Or fourteen. So, I mean, you've been in the community a long time now, and people. I mean, you've been there. People know who you are. It, this is not. You know, I know a lot of businesses are sort of newer upstarts, and and this happens, and and they don't have sort of that rooting in the community, which you guys would have after almost fourteen years there. Um, right. What are you thinking watching Indiana, Arkansas, all of the issues that have unfolded there and the way the governors have responded? What are your thoughts just seeing all of that now? Boy, you know, I, I feel like if that law would have been in place here in Iowa, we would at least would not have had, a, we would have had a fighting chance. It wouldn't have guaranteed us a win by any means, but we would have had our day in court and it would have at least leveled the playing field. It's so funny you say that because my argument, and and I read the bill right away because I know 90% of the people complaining about it didn't really read it, and I understood people said, oh, well, it's going to open the door to discrimination, but when I read it, the way I read it was, you know, okay, yes, a business might decline somebody, but all that bill guaranteed you was a day in court, um, and, and so what you just said I thought was sort of interesting, and that was my takeaway from it you know, looking at it when I when I first read the the first version of the Indiana bill. Um, and you know what I have to say about that discrimination? In the 19 states that already have this in place, there has not been one single complaint of discrimination. Show me something that has happened in those states, and then I'll believe that that can happen. And you know that if it had happened, it would have gone um, to the press immediately. So there just hasn't been... Nobody's used that for discrimination. And, and further, going clear back to the photographer, the New Mexico photographer, uh, apparently New Mexico had RIFRA 
and, and it didn't protect her. Right. So it's, it's no guarantee of, of protection. It's not a it's not a cakewalk. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think that there are any cases where people, I mean, generally speaking, when this does go to court and, and there are laws to protect people, they do not win, you know, which might have still spelled problems for, for you guys in this case, but you would have still had more of a day in court um, in okay. terms of, you know, the protection under the law for that. So um, exactly. now what are you, I know you you had been silent for a long time while this was pending, especially throughout 2014. What are your plans now moving forward? What's next for the two of you? And do you plan to be involved in trying to remedy these situations? Well, God has put this heavy on our hearts. And we feel like we are put in this position on purpose. And now we want to honor God and go forward with, um, with a ministry, uh, God's Original Design Ministry. Yes, we just uh, incorporated a nonprofit, and uh, as as luck would have it, uh, maybe it's not luck, maybe it's divine intervention. But we received our 501c3 a full 60 days ahead of when we thought we would. And um, that amazing. And uh, again, the name of it is God's Original Design Ministry. Our our pulpit, Billy, is going to be multimedia with a with a lot of billboard activity. If you recall, years ago. Uh, and maybe not that many years ago, though you, you occasionally see a black billboard with quite bright little messages from God. And and we're taking off on that theme uh, with a focus on what marriage is. And uh, and what we're what we're looking at is we we feel this the solution to this problem is going to come from the hearts and the minds of the public. So what we want to do is establish and, and create some drive time epiphanies. As people we see these signs, we're we're uh, I set a goal to have a thousand billboards out across the nation. Betty thought that was too small. She's going for ten thousand. So, <laughs> so here we are. But um, we are extremely excited about it. We, uh, the the response we've gotten is fantastic. Uh, our uh, our website is up and going. We so, just launched our website. So things are going things are going very very fast. And that website, the domain is uh, God's Design. That's with a hyphen between God's and Design dot org. Now, you said 10,000 billboards? Barry's <laughs> a big thinker. So how will you guys fund this? Miracle. How will you guys fund this? I'm sorry? Um, how will you guys find funding for this? Well, it's a, it's a non-profit uh, charity, so, so we'll be seeking funding from the, from the public. Um, now, this is an, an interesting question, but is the, ba- is the home base where your business is? I guess my... My overarching question, it's kind of interesting, if you were to incorporate in some way as a religious nonprofit, a church, let's say, you'd be able to perform weddings now. I mean, you'd be able to do some of the things you did before. At least today we could. Uh, our concern is tomorrow we may not be able to. Uh, this, this ideology is infiltrating our, our, our churches uh, at a rapid rate. And, uh, and that's, that's very concerning to me. Frightening. So what, you know, and we, we have been talking here for about 20 minutes. I can't believe it. I, I'm always fascinated to hear people's stories like this. And, and I'm really intrigued by the fact that you're going to, um, you know, be, be running this nonprofit. Now, what kind of messages are you, are you worried about pushback from some of the messages you're putting out? What sort of tactic will you use in designing these messages on the billboards? If we don't get pushback, Billy, we haven't gone far enough. <laughs> 
You guys are real. So, I mean, at this point, this is your way, I would assume, of, of sort of fighting back in a way that you believe will be helpful and beneficial to others who have faced similar situations to what you have. Yeah, it's not a matter of fighting back or it's not done out of anger. In fact, we've never been angry. We've been more hurt than angry. Um, but I feel like God has just put um, a sense of no fear in us. You know, he wins in the end. And so what are we afraid of? And we would like for other Christians to feel the same way. You know, talk out about this, because what are we afraid of, really? And, and Billy, I'm working on my 70th year, and, and I would like to see some changes, uh, a change of direction before I, before I pass on. So <laughs> it's, uh, I, we have a sense of urgency, and uh, I, think, I think that's uh, with, the, with the response and the reaction to the Indiana incident, I think... Uh, it's evident that we have a lot of very faithful people that are dis disillusioned, they're bewildered, they're fatigued, they don't know what to do. And if there's any way that we can help them stand up and speak out uh, via our media, uh, more power to us and to them. Right. And I'm going to ask you one final question, and it's going to sound, you know, it's going to sound like I'm one of your critics. I'm not. I want to give you guys an opportunity to to respond. And that question is, do you hate gay people? Because that's the critique that people have thrown at you guys and other people. Of course not. Absolutely not. Do they hate us is the better question. Well, I would, I would imagine that the feelings that you've had after receiving some of the messages you have would be that some, that some do. Um, have you had any, I lied because I said that was the last question, but have you had any uh, gays and lesbians come in and say, you know what, we support you and we're sorry that this is happening? We had one that is as a friend of ours that wrote uh, a rebuttal letter to an ugly letter, uh, opinion letter. Uh, so, yes, we have. Well, is there anything else you'd want the public to know just about what you guys have gone through, what you're planning on doing now with your, with your nonprofit, God's Design? Any other messages you'd like to put out there? I'd also like to speak to the gay community. You know, their hatred and their bitterness. Um, it's just eating them alive. It's doing nothing to us. Um, we're over it. Uh, you know, we did go through a period of, of grief and mourning, but that's over, and they're just hurting themselves, and I would, I would like them to, to change that, you know, speak, speak love to them and, and show them that life can be different for them. I also think they need to realize that they're being used by by uh, by people with political persuasions and and, uh, and 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 that's too bad. Do you think there's a place at the table for people on both sides of the issue to come together and peacefully talk about it? I mean, it seems like there's just sort of a lack of a discussion. You know, we we're, we sort of have people who are in a perpetual outrage at this point. Um, yeah. and there isn't a lot of conversation. Do you think, even if, even if you left that conversation, let's say you're involved in that conversation and you leave disagreeing still, you know, do you think that we need to have more of that, more of those conversations and discussions with, you know, people? I do. I absolutely do. You know, I think if, if two people with common sense come together, you can get a lot done on, on opposite sides. Well, listen, I really appreciate you both talking with me today, and I'm sure we'll be talking again in, in the future, and uh, we'll make sure we link out to your website, and appreciate your time. Thank you, Billy. Thank you very much, Billy. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.
And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass. So now, presidential candidate Rand Paul is a little bit. I guess you know. I, I guess we'll we'll say under fire. He's been under fire for quite some time, but now it's really this week ramped up because his abuse of women has just—it's so out of control. He's you know just tonight, just before we recorded, I told you we were watching. I was watching a movie with the kids during dinner, you know, and we were watching the Little Rascals movie. Have you seen the Little Rascals movie? It came out like in '99. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's, when I was like fifteen. Yeah, shut up. You know what? I hate you more than life, more than anything in life. Wait, so, why was I watching that at fifteen? That's the more concerning part. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes out, in, comes out in '99, and um, but what I love is, you know what the name of their club is? And I love the name of this club. The Church Boys. No, club. no. Well, it could have been the He Man Woman Haters Club. I'm like, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Was Rand Paul overseeing that? No, club? no, no. It was Spanky. Maybe that's that, that could be Rand Paul's nickname. I have no idea. But in this movie, it's Spanky. This this whole thing um, about Rand Paul. I mean, at the end of the day, the way what I walk away from this situation thinking is that you know Megyn Kelly's you know everyone called it a confrontation. She you know she addressed the issue with him and basically said that some people are asking, "Are you ready for prime time?" And I think this is somebody who's very blunt, who has admitted that maybe there's a, you know, he's got too short of a temper in some of these situations. But I think the question of is this person ready um, as a presidential candidate is a valid question for anybody who has had a few run-ins with reporters. But, you know, a tough politician isn't always good. I mean, Chris Christie, for for instance, has had many run-ins with people, reporters, you know, you name it. um, And he's known as somebody who just sort of says what's on his mind. So when you get into the gender specific, you know, specific sort of nature of this, of of is Rand Paul attacking women, that's when it gets a little intriguing. Well, and it's a cheap shot. And I'm really disappointed that Megyn Kelly went there because there's so many other things to talk to Rand Paul about that are so much more important that she could have covered and done well. Because I, I respect Megyn Kelly a lot. I like her a lot. But when, when they do things like this, she and Gretchen Carlson and, and what's her name? Horse face, uh, horse teeth. What's her name? On oh, in the my nighttime. Gosh. What's in the, in the nighttime? Her dad was friends with, you know, Senator McCar- McCarthy. What's uh, Greta? I'm not even Greta. Help. I can't help you or be you know a part what? of this. <laughs> Greta Van Susteren <laughs> and those others. So listen, when they, but when they get into, you're picking on somebody because they have a vagina, you know, argument drives me insane. Well, Get you know what was it. interesting about Megyn Kelly, though? She did say, you know, in that in that interview, she's like, listen, people who are who are making these claims in a sense are being sexist, right? Because they're saying that that women are being targeted for these reasons. And so she did. She did sort of play the other side of it a little bit. But I guess yeah, the bigger question is, you know, has he had these incidents with men as well with male reporters? But 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 you got to But but if you're Megyn Kelly, you've got an opportunity. You've got Rand Paul on your show for seven minutes. He's a presidential contender and right now a leading presidential contender for the Republicans. He's one of the top dogs. And you're going to spend half your segment with him talking about whether or not he picks on chicks? Are you kidding? Well, well listen. Don't spend – focus on you know what you and I care about, what the people who actually make decisions care about, the people who actually vote in the Republican primary care about. Why does it seem like you flipped your positions on you know, uh, foreign aid for Israel? Or what is your position on – you know, when does our military actually take steps? What's your foreign policy? Why does it seem like you have flip-flops on these various different issues? And I don't know that he has, but that's what he's been accused of by people on our side, on people on the right. So why not address that instead of spending half your segment talking about whether or not he picks on people who happen to have vaginas? 
Well, at the end of the day, the Democratic talking point, right? A lot of people are saying this is a strategy. It's war on women 2.0. You assume Hillary Clinton's going to be your candidate, right? And if let's say Rand Paul is the candidate, you know, facing off against her, the Republican candidate, why not start the sort of war on women 2.0 strategy now? Make whoever the candidate is anti-women so that when they're going face to face, that sentiment, that that sort of mindset of who the public views this person as is already set in stone. I don't know that that's what's going on here, but it wouldn't surprise me. No, not at all. Um, I think, you know, politics is ugly. This is what people try to do. Yep. Um, I'm sure, you know, that that there's there's way more to the story here. I think you have to look at the context of the person, who they are, how they react to reporters, and you have to look at the full picture. I think when you're when you're making claims of oh, you know, or, or floating questions of is this person anti-woman, that that's a that's a little extreme, I think. And and I don't know that we have evidence to back that up. Well, and yeah, and earlier today on Friday, he uh, he had an interview with the Guardian, and he's going through, and he says, okay, last question. The guy asks his last question. Paul Rand Paul answers that last question and then walks off, right? Leaves the leaves the interview because he said this was the last question. And then the lights go out. And so then all these people, including Talking Point, I think it was Talking Points memo, Huffington Post, other people said, Oh, look at this. He just he walked off the he walked off the interview and he turned off the lights. Well, that's not what he did at all. He didn't do that. He didn't have anything to do with that. In fact, the Guardian came out later and said, No, he this was his last question. He left after the last question and he's going on to do a CNN interview. And interv- and CNN said, Yeah, we turned off the lights because we're get- preparing the the lighting for our s- segment of the show. So, you know, but nobody came out and he was being interviewed by a, a male reporter, but nobody when they're in the middle of accusing Rand Paul of walking off and storming off the set, which he didn't do, nobody came out and said, Look, he did it to a guy reporter, right? Nobody bothered to point that out because it was a guy reporter. And imagine if we judged politicians by the character and not by all of these other factors. And and listen, if somebody is anti-female, then that's part of their character and it needs to be assessed. But but when you when things are being conjured and created and and all for the point of being distributed to convince people that somebody is a bad person on based on you know what what likely is faulty information. That's sort of sad to me. And it's just bizarre where, where politics is in this country now. But I guess that's a but, broader conversation. So, and, and, and Rand Paul goes on. He, they say that he's being snippy with female reporters, which I don't buy, right? But these happen to be female reporters he got allegedly snippy with, whatever, however you want to take it. And so that proves that he hates women. There's this war on women. Is there anything more degrading to women and more abusive to women and more indication, more a greater indication of a hatred for women than the way Bill Clinton treated women. And he's still held as a God on the left. The democratic party loves him. That's the only reason Hillary is even viable as a candidate is because she's married to a female abuser. A man who abuses women is held up as the standard bearer for the democratic party. And now his wife gets to run. And the only reason she gets to run is in the lead is because her female women abusing husband was president and the left loves him. But let, wow. but let, but let Rand Paul shush a reporter, a female reporter. Well, by golly, he hates women, you know? Yeah. Well, her husband who she's writing his coattails, um, abuses women. This is, you are fierce. You are Sasha Beyonce fierce. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, you didn't or whatever the, you need to be stopped i do you know what speaking of stopping it's probably time it's about 10 o'clock my time which means it's god awful early in your time what time is it? it's like 1 a.m here holy crap all right well you think you have any 
You look. I gotta take a picture of this. You look so sleepy. Let me get a picture of you so I can put it up. This is Billy. I've got a few shots of you already. Let's see if it takes. Did it take? It didn't take. Just a second. I gotta. It's like I'm. I'm just totally inept when it comes to anything. All right, you ready? Smile. Oh, be sleepy, cause you're sleep. No, you're sleepy. There, perfect. I'll post that too. You're All right. evil. I know. It's one of my few skills. Are you ready for our closing advice, America? <laughs> Get ready. Get ready, America. Billy, any words of wisdom for the people out there? Read your Bibles. <laughs> and the blaze. We'll talk to you later. Uh, bye bye.